0: Oh Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Brother Jake Robito, assistant pastor at Northwest Bible Baptist Church, uh, professor at Providence Baptist College, teaching our manuscript evidence course at the college, among many others as well. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be here. Last time we talked about the inspiration of the scriptures, and we were just basically what we're doing is giving an overview of maybe some of the topics that you discuss in your manuscript evidence class, giving people a sneak peek into the classroom of Providence Baptist College. And we pretty much, I think, wrapped up the conversation about the inspiration of the scriptures. And there were several facets, several different directions you you addressed the inspiration of the scriptures. One was uh, the verbal inspiration of the scriptures. First, you define what inspiration was, God breathed, and then how, what verbal inspiration is, what plenary inspiration was, the infallibility and the inerrancy, um, just vocabulary words that people need to understand. So if they haven't Heard those before? They're listening to this podcast episode first. They probably should go back listen to that other one so they can for actually sure. follow along with us.
1: And it's, you know, we're not not trying to overcomplicate things. And sure. we don't, you don't even hear these terms typically used from the pulpit. No, but what they mean and what they stand for is important mm-hmm. in, as far as understanding uh, the confidence that we can have in our Bible.
0: So we've talked about inspiration, and mm-hmm. you talked about there were two companion truths or two companion doctrines: inspiration, and the next one being. Preservation, And so these things go hand in glove, I imagine. What is the relationship between these two? Well, I um, mentioned it before that the doctrine of inspiration really is meaningless
1: without the doctrine of preservation. Mm-hmm. If the Word of God has not been preserved, then why do we even— why do we even study? Why do we even care about the doctrine of inspiration? And so uh, they are companion doctrines, sister doctrines. You, if you're going to believe one, you can't really fully believe one without believing the other. Hmm. And um, and so we'll get into preservation here, I, I guess. And preservation is something that is a very important topic. Uh, yes. I think the key to preservation is ask, if somebody says they believe in preservation and yet you think that might be a little squirrely in their belief in the King James Bible— um, what you ought to ask them is, do they believe in perfect preservation? Okay. Uh, do they believe the Bible is perfectly
0: preserved? Um, it's be, funny you should have to put that adjective in the front of that, because preserved implies that it was preserved. I mean, In its original form. Yeah. And if in its original
1: form, as it was inspired, if it was perfectly inspired, and divinely mm-hmm. inspired, which we believe it is and was, was and is, um, then if it was preserved, you would think that it'd still be in its original. Yep. That's the whole point of preservation. And so preservation really answers this question: Did God supernaturally give His words only for them to be destroyed, only for them to be changed, only for them to be distorted, only for them to be lost over time, or did He intend for them to be kept for every generation to come? Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, we know the answer to that question. In fact, Psalm chapter uh, Psalm twelve, verse six and seven is really a key passage on that in the Scripture. Interestingly enough, that passage has been just totally confused by almost every modern version. That's ironic. (laughs) The key scripture for the doctrine of preservation uh, totally changed. But what did God do? He promised to keep and preserve his words forever. And so that's a big part to preservation is understanding... Would God have given it just for a short time for it to be lost, right, mm-hmm. for it to be changed, for it to be destroyed,
0: or did he intend for his words to last forever? That's the passage where it says, thy word is settled in heaven. What is that passage referring no, to? No,
1: um, basically what it, it talks about, it says, uh, it talks about the words of the Lord are pure words, right, okay. purified seven times. And it goes on to say, thou shalt keep them, right, from this generation That's forever. That's huge. It's a huge, because yeah. what the the NIV specifically, it changes the whole um, interpretation of that passage to one of physical security and protection as opposed to the preservation of God's oh. words. And so it's pretty obvious when you study that in, in, in our Bible, what was being preserved? The words were mm-hmm. being preserved. Who was doing the preserving? Thou, the Lord, was doing the preserving. How long was yeah. it going to be preserved for forever? Yes. And so that sort of... In a nutshell, really encompasses
0: what preservation of Scripture really is. And that you, it's not man that was preserving God's word. It's no. not like there's a team of people who are trying to keep will God's keep word. Them, oh Lord, it's yeah. His job. Man, mm-hmm. that's
1: huge. So uh, preservation of really God's supernatural keeping of His divinely recorded, divinely respi- inspired revelation, which mm-hmm. we talked about that inspiration earlier. So preservation really is evidenced in two ways. Okay, you've got um, textual purity and you've got physical perpetuity. Okay, two more million-dollar terms here. Yes. So what does that exactly mean? So textual purity speaks to the accuracy of the copies okay. that have been made of Scripture down through history. And um, if you studied out, great care was taken by those that loved God's Word mm. and those that followed um, even some was just biblical instruction on how to care for God's Word. Some of it was tradition and and whatnot by some of these uh, scribes, these Jewish scribes, uh, but great care was taken as they carefully copied uh, the words of God to maintain their accuracy. I mean, if they made even one little slip up with a pen, they would toss the entire paper. Wow. There were things that they did even as it related to writing the name of God, where there was so, such great reverence, where they would literally bathe themselves before they could continue on, before they could write the name of God and different things. And so mm-hmm. there was a great uh, just a, a, a reverence and a care for copying God's words. Which, why is that important? Well, we, we know the game mm-hmm. where you have a big circle of people, and you, you pass a message from one person to the next, and they whisper it to the next, and they whisper it to the next. By the time you get around the circle, the message has completely changed, right? Yeah. And think about anything less than divine intervention in the uh, in the in the preservation, as it pertains to this textual purity, the mm-hmm. accurate copying of God's words throughout history. And if if it was not if there was not divine intervention, right, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't happen. We would have a totally different. Uh, copy of God's words today than
0: what how He originally gave them. So that's textual purity. Yeah, I the love how you. Of God's I words. love how each of these takes man out of the equation. Absolutely, where it was not man's responsibility. Although man mm-hmm. was used as an instrument, he did copy manuscripts down. Mm-hmm. But it's God's promise. It's, and human nature is to corrupt those things. Just accidents happen. But if we're going to believe God, there had to be divine intervention, like you said. That's huge.
1: And it's amazing that yeah. hundreds and even thousands of years later, there's still a precise accuracy to what mm. we hold in our hands today compared to how it was given from God. Mm. Even through translation, we still believe that there's a precise accuracy to God's words. So mm. that's textual purity. Okay. The other uh, facet is physical perpetuity. Okay. And when we say that, what, we, what we we're talking about is the miraculous survival of God's words over the course of history. And, um, I mean, human, uh, demonic attempts to destroy God's words... And to to eradicate it off the face of the planet. And yet today we still hold the Word of God physically on our hands. Yeah. And not only do we not only did it survive, but it thrived. And the greatest bestseller of all time is the Bible, the Word of God. And um, obviously the gates of hell were against it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Satan knows he has no answer for the perfect words of God. Uh, but then that you had some of the most powerful figures in history, emperors kings, who literally their life's goal and, and there was to eradicate the scriptures from off mm-hmm. the face of the earth. Uh, they burned the words of God, right? They yep. killed people, they murdered people for their um, work in trying to copy the words of God or print the words of God. And yet, despite all of those efforts, once again, we still have it today. Yeah. So that's the physical perpetuity, and that's, that speaks to, once again, the preservation
0: of, of the scripture. Yeah, I mean, when you think about other books, I mean... go out of print the author is forgotten and it's just lost to history and no one remembers anything that was written in those books because it's it doesn't exist anymore and the fact that despite people's best efforts literally their best it still thrives. It just doesn't exist. It thrives. When you look at
1: those two aspects, whether it's textual purity, whether it's the physical perpetuity, the fact that we still have God's words today, it really speaks to the miraculous nature in which we have the Word of God. No other book mm. could that have been true of. Mm. Uh, no other book has that been true of
0: sure. except for God's words. So there have been human enemies of the Word of God, but also there's the enemy, the adversary, uh, Satan, the devil, Um mm-hmm he's behind any attack on the word of god i imagine what is his role well you
1: go back to the beginning right and yeah. you don't have to go very far in the book of genesis and you have satan already casting doubt on god's words in mm-hmm. the garden right talking to eve "Yea, hath god said mm-hmm. right not not only casting doubt, and this is basic i mean they we learned this in um old testament survey as a mm-hmm. freshman in bible college right um the first thing that he did was try to discredit god's words Sure. And, um, and so even within the first couple, a couple centuries, uh, maybe the greatest attack on the purity of God's words have come through, uh, I, I believe, Satan influence, but by human corruption. And uh, there was willful manipulation of scripture uh, by way of religious scholars, and typically that's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, religious scholars. Yeah. Uh, going back to the beginning, and um, we we know the name Origin. Sadly, uh, some Protestants herald him to be, you know, one of the early church fathers or this some great figure. But yeah. uh, while a brilliant man, um, primarily responsible for much of the early corruption uh, of God's words, and that happened through uh, willful changing of God's words as they were copied, just as we just talk okay. about textual purity and the importance of. Uh, God's words being, you know, accurately copied. Mm-hmm. Well, you had bad actors as well, and yeah. these were people, uh, namely in the religious, quote unquote, religious center of Alexandria, Egypt, uh, that took these, and the copies that were produced were vastly different than the copies that were produced. So we're in some not of these talking about places. copy errors. We're no. talking about uh, doctrinal errors. Yeah. And interesting enough, um, when you study Origin and some of those that were responsible, you look at their beliefs. What did they believe? Mm-hmm. About creation, what do they believe about you know all these different things, um, the virgin birth, and, and and just going on to all these different important doctrines, and you hear what influenced their you know writings, if you would, mm-hmm. it's no wonder that some of these you know corrupt manuscripts begin to appear. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think sort of that. Um, just that human corruption uh, by those that wanted to change the word of God into something that was more accommodating or fit their uh, worldview, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Uh, it, it's obvious that their heretical views influenced uh, the changes that they made to Scripture, and we even see the yeah. same thing today in many of the modern versions. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get to that. I don't want really to get the cart ahead of the horse, um, but um, you know, there's 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 reasons that changes are made to Scripture.
0: Yeah, and it's the opposite of what should be true. Scripture should affect your beliefs. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're going to try to wrap up the idea of inspiration and preservation, how would you do that in a classroom setting just to kind of wrap that up?
1: Maybe I'll go back to this, just talking about the relationship between inspiration and preservation. uh, One of the things that I'll say over and over again in class is that true preservation does not doubt the inerrancy of Scripture. And when I say scripture, okay. I mean the Bible that they literally hold in their laps. And so um, there are people, once again, going back, there are people that get very squirrely when you pin them down on what do they believe concerning not just one or the other, but inspiration and preservation. And um, once again, you'll hear a lot of people talking about the originals. Yep. Guess what? We don't have the originals, mm-hmm. right? Uh <laughs> I don't want to get sidetracked, but one of the great things you can do is ask somebody, what's better, the translation that you hold, the English Bible that you hold on your lap, right, or the originals? And of course, the natural inclination is to try to give the originals more value, right? But the reality is they don't do any good. Not only do we not have them, but if I did have them, I wouldn't understand them. true. And so anyways, it, it gets back to what do we believe to be inspired? The very first autographs. Mm-hmm. or the Bible that's in our laps today? Mm-hmm. And was it perfectly and providentially preserved? And so um, anyways, uh, it, it really comes down to, once again, a, an aspect of faith. Mm-hmm. Because if the Bible was not perfectly preserved, then it's nothing more than a good book. Yeah. Really, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and if that's the case, then we're in big trouble. If it's not a divinely inspired and a perfectly preserved Word of God, then what are we doing? Yeah. Right. Um, one of the statements that I have written down in my Bible, I don't know who said it, um, but they said the Bible was not written for scholars; it was written for students. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the idea, obviously, is that good. our approach to God's word should be one of how can I learn, how can I apply. Right. I, I approach it from the fact that it is a, a a perfect miraculous book, and if I approach it that way, it's going to teach me. Mm-hmm. Versus, sadly, a lot of the way that Scripture is looked at as it pertains to, is the Bible inspired, preserved, all these different things, it's looked at from a very critical perspective. It's the difference between study and
0: scrutinizing. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people that simply look at it to say what's wrong with it instead of trying to say what's right with it. Yep. And um, yeah, so that's, that's I think that's a good way to finish so, it out
0: there. obviously this leads us obviously to a final destination. It's number one, if we believe that you know, God breathed out his word, it is inspired, and then if we believe that as he was inspiring his word, he also, through that inspiration, promised to preserve it, then if it is preserved today, and if what was preserved was the original inspiration, Mm -hmm. then you've got to ask yourself, where is it? If
1: God inspired and preserved his words, and he did, right, then there is a perfect written word of God out there. And if if that is the case, and we believe that it is, which Bible is it? And I think we can make a very good, strong, authoritative case for the King James Bible being
0: the perfectly preserved and inspired Word of God. Perfect. Thanks so much. We'll talk about this and launch into that in the future as well. Make sure you check out our other episodes on YouTube. Make sure you like this video, that you share it with somebody so the channel will grow. And also make sure that you check out the audio-only platforms as well. Thanks so much for joining us.